0: I am incredibly excited, bullish, optimistic about where we're heading, and I actually think all of the records you're citing and the success metrics we've had, honestly, we're just getting started.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Snacks, delivered by Grubhub. I'm Sam Mewis.
2: And I'm Lynn Williams, and this is a show about women's soccer, but it's also about...
1: I made apple crisp
2: today. Wow. How'd it go?
1: it actually went really well i followed the recipe i didn't make any mistakes and then i took one bite when it came out of the oven and it was delicious
2: like um regular or healthy
1: regular but i feel like apple crisp is like i mean there's obviously like sugar and butter (laughs) but it's not it's like mostly apples do you know what i mean yeah well isn't it just kind of like a little crumble on top
2: oh is it not like the same filling as pie
1: the so it's basically just six apples cut up with like two tablespoons of sugar cinnamon and then the topping is like sugar and like crumbles of butter and oats
2: oh there's no crust no do i even know what apples and crumble wow do you know what that reminds me of have you ever had a dump cake
1: we're getting carried away and this is we haven't even started yet here's what we're doing today on the pod the playoffs are locked we will talk about the wildest (laughs) outcomes and look ahead to the first round of playoffs Then we're joined by NWCL Commissioner Jessica Berman for a very cool, cool girl convo about the future of the league. And then obviously we have the snacks hotline.
2: Can I talk about my apple crisp? I mean, my dump cake now? I guess so. I
1: don't, there's no rules here. The whole chat section. Now we're back to dump cake.
2: Okay. Well, I love dump cake and it's basically the same thing, but you literally take a cake and dump it on top and then put butter on top of that. Butter cake. It's a butter dump cake.
1: <laughs> I feel like, do you remember that phase we went through when we would like only have blueberries in the fridge and then we would try to make like a healthy blueberry crumble?
2: Yeah, and then you would just burn your mouth on the blueberries because yeah, they were it was just hot. Like, it
1: was just like lava blueberry
2: <laughs> dump cake <laughs> crumble. All right, let's move on because we are ridiculous.
1: Um, Lynn, is anything else new? No. Obviously, we're about to talk about your game. What is anything else going on in your life?
2: No, all I do is play soccer. You seem like a very busy girl. Anything going on in your life? Celebrating Krieger, though. Oh, that did happen. It was so good. It's just so funny. Like, I feel obviously Pino is retiring, too. And Krieger, this is like a parallel, obviously. But like with Pino's in the national team, you're like, this is the end. It's over. And with Krieger, you're like, this is the end. But then we have another game to play. So you're like celebrating, but like you're not done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Lace him back up, sis. We got another game. I know. I'm like, we're celebrating you, but you got to go again. You're not done yeah. yet. What else is new in my
1: life? Um, I went apple picking again, hence the apple crisp. I, like, how many kept- times
2: have you gone apple picking?
1: Twice in two weeks. You know how I get when I like brag about stuff and I'm like, everybody's like, what are you going to do with all the apples? And I'm just like, eat them. But then like, obviously I had to make apple crisp because I had like 45 yeah, many- apples at my house. How many apples
2: do you pick at a time?
1: You get, a, you get one little bag and you can probably put like 12 in there
2: if you really stuff it. What kind of but apples? Pat,
1: go, Pat comes too. So we have, what's 12 times 4? 48? 48, 48 apples.
2: And that's quick math right there.
1: Hey, that's why they gave me a podcast is because I can do 12 times 4 in my head really, really quick. Okay, should we talk about the
2: games? <laughs> yeah, I think we should. So it was decision day and things have been decided. I feel like I have to talk about these. Like, I didn't obviously watch any of these games because I was playing at the same time.
1: I know. We're going to get to your game. I tried to watch three games at a time. I did the TV, iPad, phone situation. I mainly was watching the Gotham-Kansas City game. That was my main focus of the day. But I also had the NC Spirit game up for a little bit, especially at the end, because I think that's the game that was going to affect you guys, maybe?
2: No. The Pride. The Angel
1: City game Oh, and the Pride game. Well, I think if Washington had come back, you guys would have been out. So I was trying to watch all the games, they all had implications on each other. I did notice little is
2: Christy was telling me like in when they were watching upstairs, we just kept moving all over the place and she was like a yeah. nervous wreck. And I, I watched guess I... you
1: guys go from 3 to 6 because
2: because Angel City scored a fourth goal or Orlando scored. it was wild. Yeah. I don't even know what happened. But it was uh, there's a funny video of like Kelly's outside screaming at us like in the box and then all of a sudden like she they forced her to like go inside because she had to watch by herself because she was like all out of sorts <laughs> watching the <team. laughs> so they were like get inside we can't handle you right now
1: yeah it was crazy trying to watch the north carolina spirit game um the headline from this game obviously was trinity rudman's red card in the 23rd minute she stepped on denise o'sullivan's ankle kind of from behind her studs kind of up a yellow was given it went to var and it was upgraded to a straight red I felt sad for her. She left the field in tears. Such a hu- Was such a huge loss for their team, playing then with 10 players. Tyler Lucy scored kind of right after in the 25th minute. It like felt like it all happened really, really fast.
2: And Washington came in eighth. Yeah, like the table was moving all over the place. I obviously didn't get to watch any of these games, like I said, but I did see the tackle. From my understanding, like people were fouling Trinity, and then she was trying to do like a tactical foul and then got caught, I'm assuming. Like, her her emotions were heightened in the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you, like, see this a lot. I mean, we've seen th- this happen at the World Cup even. Like, I think in moments where you're, I guess, heightened emotionally. Like, you're more prone to doing things that are, like, maybe out of character or, like, a little bit sloppy. And I just, like, felt bad for her. Like, she was so emotional coming off the field. I think she knew the implications it had for her team. Yeah. And then to have to watch the other team score and to have to watch your team, like, not be able to come back, I mean, playing a player down, that must have just
2: been, like, such a terrible feeling. This is what, you know what this reminds me of? This is obviously two different stages, but have you been watching the David Beckham documentary? Yes. And, you know, at the World Cup where he, yeah. like, gets angry and then kicks
1: yeah. the player? I and- think that's so, like, common. Like, I've done that where you just, like, see red for a second and then you're like, why did I do that?
2: Yeah, I I think that like you're in a moment where your emotions are so high, and then something else happens that they push them over the edge, and you're yeah you just want to win so badly. And I I feel sad for Trin too. I hope that this is a moment where she can learn from it and just be like, okay, I have to be able to stay calm in moments where I'm super frustrated. Yeah, I think that that's the risk you take anytime you're doing like a blatant foul. I feel bad for them though. Like I know,
1: I know. And then to top it all off, Mark Parsons was let go from the Spirit today as well. Um, so their season is done. I feel like Washington is one of those teams though, that like, you know, they're in really good hands, like ownership wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and they they have like great talent. So I do feel like it was a little shocking that they didn't make playoffs just because mm-hmm. I feel like they are one of those teams that's like growing and like really has it together. Um, but I'll be excited to see how they do next year. And hopefully they can get over that playoff line next
2: year. I agree. And I'm excited or... Interested to see like who the no- coach was going to be too. Like, yeah. now that, like, what direction are they going to go in? But yeah, I think they have a lot of young talent too. So yeah. I think they're going to be fine. It sucks in this moment, but they'll be fine.
1: Yeah. So North Carolina moves on um, from that game. Then we have
2: Angel City beats Portland five to one. I know. We, so when we were watching or playing the game, obviously we have people on the sidelines that are like telling us to score. Of the other games and when they said this scoreline I was like what yeah like what do you mean are you
1: guys sure that it was crazy um Angel City just like had all the momentum winning five to one launched them into fifth place going into the match they had a negative three goal differential and so the four goal swing put them tied on points and differential with Gotham Mm -hmm. and since their goals four were higher They came in, Angel City came in fifth, Gotham came in sixth, and Orlando came in seventh on the
2: same amount of points, just out of the playoffs. I know. Just kept
1: watching Angel City rack up the goals. It
2: was crazy. I think that, like, when you're in, like, that do-or-die mode, and obviously the week before, they were almost out of playoffs. So you just kind of, like, throw everything out, and you just say, let's go for it. Like, who cares? And they obviously went for it. I know.
1: They for sure did, and it was crazy that it was in Portland's hands to win the Shield, and they like lost five to one speaking of angel city's goals that is going to bring us to the delivery of the week it is time now for the delivery of the week delivered by grubhub lynn what
2: are you craving this week sushi kind of Mm. what are you craving
1: i got pizza i think i told you all last week that i was craving pizza right around my birthday time and i got pizza actually to watch these nwzl games
2: yum did you get the pepperoni
1: i didn't i just got plain pepperoni but it was bomb and all thanks to Grubhub. i'll tell you who else was craving something delicious our girl sydney larue (laughs) after a save from bella bixby landed to sid about five feet away from the goal Sid got on her bike. She saw the ball looping back. Bicycle kicked it into the top corner and put LA up four to zero. A truly incredible delivery from Sid. Lynn, did you see Cassius's reaction too? So
2: cute. It was so cute. So cute. And there was also a video saying that they were practicing this I a know. year ago. And you too can get an incredible delivery. You can satisfy every craving with delicious food delivery from Grubhub.
1: The rest of the games, Lynn, you tied Kansas City 2-2, two to two, and you guys ma- got over the line to playoffs. Congratulations. Thank you. How was the game?
2: Well, it was wild. Um, at the beginning, I thought we were just going to smash it. We were up 2-0 to zero early on, and then they came back and scored two goals fairly quickly, which was annoying. Um, Krieger saved an amazing goal off the line. There was one point that I yes. was chasing E-ball back
1: i know hang on i want to backtrack a little bit midge scored a great
2: goal and then yasmine ryan scored a really big goal
1: where she like dribbled through everybody
2: and scored it was like pretty sick i know i can't stop watching it i was like that was sick
1: it was literally so good then kansas city got one back alexis banstras
2: also scored a sick goal where she kind
1: of was like dribbling through people and cut inside and like lofted it over the keeper it was sick yeah and then unfortunately you guys had an own goal Mm mm-hmm But so much happened like so quickly, like the momentum changed so quickly. And then at one point, Lynn, you were chasing back a breakaway, which we just said would never happen in a million years last week. We should
2: have never said never. What what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking, E, stop running. Like, let me have the ball. Well, but it was like off a (laughs) corner. Yeah, it was off a corner. And then it bounced out to Deb. I believe and all i see is e and somebody else streaking on the side and i was like all right well i better get on my horse and you sure did and so did she yeah we were like two horses running in the wind um there was a moment like i said where krieger saved um mm-hmm. kristen hamilton's shot off the line she's obviously playing incredible so it was a wild game and, and then i thought that like we were gonna score so i know
1: I know. It was, a, it was a really fun game to watch. I saw your cute picture with him and Eball. It made me really Jealous. FOMO-y.
2: I'm just happy. We squeaked in there. At the very end of the game, we were like, like I said, we knew that we were in sixth place by this time, but the Orlando game was still going on. But they needed to score two goals to beat us on goal differential, and it was like, I think, two minutes left in their game, so yeah. we were pretty positive. But in, you never know. Like Until that whistle blows, all of us yeah. were just kind of like, what is going to go on? I know, um, I
1: saw you guys like all huddled together and then all of a sudden you all started cheering and I was like, "Oh, they must have just found out."
2: Yeah, it was like a pretty special moment for that. We're throwing Krieger in the air, the fans are still in the stands, <laughs> so they're like celebrating too. It just it was a a very cool moment to be a part of.
1: Congratulations to Gotham. Moving on to playoffs, very exciting. We had OL beat the Red Stars 3 to nothing. Megan Rapino gets a brace seals playoffs for ol and we also had Jess fishlock score goal
2: all right so then the last game was the wave versus louisville and the wave win the shield with a 2-0 victory um alex and jaden shaw scored and then apparently naomi's stats were ridiculous 92.3 percent passing accuracy three out of three duels won seven possessions won Two out of two tackles won and four clearances.
1: Yeah. Apparently nobody was getting by her back there. Um, Holding it, <laughs> da- holding it down with Abby Dahlkemper for the wave. Who won the shield? How exciting. That's I think so it's so exciting. cool that uh, like fairly new expansion team won the shield already. It's like, like they're just doing something right over there.
2: They are. They're doing something. The fricking waves. I'm not bitter. It's fine.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations to San Diego. Super exciting that you won the shield. Uh, San Diego and Portland will get a bye in this next weekend's round of games. They have automatic spots in the semifinals. But we do have two games coming up this weekend. The first game is October 20th at 10 p.m. Eastern. It'll be OL versus Angel City at Seattle.
2: Basically, Megan Rapinoe and Jess Fishlock versus the momentum of Angel City. So what do you think is going to happen? Tell me.
1: It's so tough. Like, I feel like Angel City at home is so like just watching this weekend's past mm-hmm. game, like they just have so much energy from their home crowd, but yeah. I do feel like Seattle will. Oh, well we'll get that from Seattle as well, especially considering it could be Pino's last game. Obviously like we hope not, but I I think like, I mean, it's going to be it's a super interesting game. I think Seattle's always really fun to watch. I remember last year going to watch Kansas city play them in the semifinal in that huge stadium in Kansas city was able to win. So,
2: I mean, I think anything could happen. Pino and Jess might go off, but then Angel city apparently is hitting a great stride. So I don't,
1: I know. Well, we'll definitely be watching that one, even though it's on very late. And then your game Lynn is October 22nd at 7 PM. Eastern that's North Carolina versus New York, New Jersey, Gotham, Bats. The baddies. Krieger's career is also on the line in this game. Like, Lynn, how has your team been feeling about that? Is Are you all just rallying around Krieger?
2: Yeah, I think that this part of the season is so crazy. Like, you're exhausted. You've been going for basically since January. But it's also a moment where you just have to, like, get over it and... Start like actually like improving and increasing the intensity where like you're mentally and kind of physically drained. You have a lot of players who have like knocks and nicks and all these things. So I think that we are just using Krieger's like career as like our motivation. Obviously, people have other motivations too, but she's never won an so championship. We want to let uh- her retire like on such a high note. I just like. Uh- We want to win so bad. Like why else play if you don't want to win?
1: I know. Oh, I love playoffs. I feel like it's like just the energy your team gets when you know it's a must win. And then when you win and you're just like, you get to celebrate each game. Like it's the energy is just like, like nothing else. It's so much fun. I'm, I have FOMO again.
2: I know. I'm so excited. I've actually also never played um, a playoff game in this style where it's like six teams because I was injured last year. So I am excited to do this. I
1: know that's super exciting. Um, Speaking of your game, Caroline, unfortunately for North Carolina, might be out with a knee injury. She picked up late in the game versus DC. We'll be waiting to hear an announcement on that. That would be a huge loss for North Carolina. The winners of those two games we just talked about will face San Diego and Portland, respectively, which will be at home for San Diego and Portland. So Lynn, you're traveling this weekend. If you win, you have to travel again in two weeks.
2: Whoever wins between us and North Carolina will go to San Diego and whoever wins between OL and Angel City will go to Portland. So that's the bracket. But before that, there is a national team camp in between. So there's going to be a little hiatus before the next playoff game.
1: I know. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I still think it's so crazy that Portland and San Diego will have two full, like two weekends without games together. So that's like three weeks of training without a game right before the most important game of the season, the semifinal. I just think that's like a crazy schedule it's nobody's fault it's just how it
2: worked out yeah which could be like a huge like negative like it could be positive it could also
1: be a negative i know it's like just makes for makes for even more interesting playoffs lynn the nwsl keeping it interesting speaking of keeping it interesting (laughs) don't go anywhere because we have jessica berman the commissioner of the nwsl coming up next so don't move Do you want to dive deeper into women's sports news of the week? You can get the latest news delivered straight into your inbox.
0: That's right. You can start your morning off, right five days a week with the just women's sports newsletter, our free daily newsletter that brings you the latest and greatest in women's sports, whether it's breaking news, exclusive conversations or just a cool stat that you might be missing. We've got you covered.
1: So never miss a story on women's sports. You can subscribe for free at just backslash newsletter. That's just
0: backslash newsletter. And we'll see you in your inbox.
1: All right, everybody, we have a very special guest today. She is the commissioner of the NBSL. It's Jessica Berman. Welcome to Snacks. Hi.
2: Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know you are super busy right now, especially at this point in the season. It, We are doing this interview when all the teams have two games left. The race is close. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is happening. But our first question for you is... You just keep breaking records, attendance, viewership, adding teams. Everything's going up, 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 up. How much stock should we take in that? And what are your goals for 2024?
0: When I took this job, I felt like in many ways I was stepping into a landmine, but it turned out that it was a field of diamonds. And every moment that we scratch beneath the surface, it's like Mm -hmm. more and more diamonds. So... I am incredibly excited, bullish, optimistic about where we're heading. And I actually think all of the records you're citing and the success metrics we've had, honestly, we're just getting started. The opportunities in front of us are endless. We just have to figure out how to prioritize, how to work smartly and efficiently, and how to keep up with the demand. That Those are honestly our biggest challenges.
1: Yeah, is there a, uh, an accomplishment so far in this job that
0: you're most proud of? Oh, you're you're catching me in like a raw moment because um, I probably should have a more strategic answer for you, <laughs> like the expansion teams yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, many of those moments. But actually, this is like very personal, but um, I got a, a message today from my senior leadership team, which I'm pulling up right now, um, sending me Mana Shim's quote on Twitter today. Mana wrote on Twitter, today marks one year since the Yates report was released and Sinead and I are on our way to training together. Thanks Gotham FC and NWSL for giving us a safe place to heal and enjoy the game again. So that was like, yeah, it's really the reason I took this job. Although now we have the more traditional challenges, which is like how to grow revenue, how to grow a business, Mm -hmm. all those other things, but rebuilding trust and credibility with the players and right-sizing the systemic cultural issues that this league had was like my number one most important priority and Mm -hmm. seeing that as like like not that we're done and there's still so much work to do and the issues are so deep-rooted and we have to mind it every single day with minimum standards and making sure we have the right systems in place because we know that where there are vulnerabilities in a system you it's very easy to imagine reverting to those old ways, um, because mm-hmm. it, it isn't beyond us. We know that. This is like embedded in sports and also broader society, the ways in which women and girls are not respected. And so we have to mind it. But seeing that was like a very um it was a moment that like I will remember for a long time.
2: Yeah. I'm assuming that just like us, like sometimes when you're in it so heavy and you're like, we have to play or we have to break these records we have to do x y and z you you don't ever get a moment to just like reflect and think about all that you've done already and i'm sure seeing that tweet was like a a, like a okay we're making a difference it's working like and it's just one of those moments where you can actually like reflect and um just see like the important the importance of your work
0: wait but before you ask me another question like (laughs) lynn you are playing with them with mana and sinead so I am know. i allowed to ask you a question or is that not allowed yes. <laughs> no there's no rules no this rules podcast. what what is what a is that land what like when they came and started playing at being in the league for mm-hmm. multiple years and seeing what obviously the players have been through like what did what did that feel like and what does it feel like
2: to get to know them on like a personal level and see how much fun they are having while playing. Sinead like has not played soccer in a billion years and her technical ability is... Incredible! We were just like the other day before our game, playing small sided, and she scored like four goals. And I was like, "Feed the beast! Like, give her the ball every <laughs> single time!" And it, they're not even like bangers. <laughs> they were just like she just dribbled the whole team. And I was like, "How? How are you doing this? Like, you haven't played in a billion years!" And then Mana as well. Like, I just their energy and their passion for the game, and also just like knowing what they've been through to have the ability to just continue to spread love and happiness and all the things. It's really just inspiring. And I just, I have nothing but good things to say about them. I'm so happy they're on my team. Um, it's great. So yeah, I'm, I'm just happy they get to play the game they love.
0: Yeah, me too. That is sorry. awesome.
1: And I'm no, sorry, Jessica, I stole the mic. it's no. also really nice to hear that that is the first thing that came to mind. Like, I think the idea that that is something that's so important to you is something that will inspire confidence in all the players, knowing that that's something that's top of mind for you. So thank you. Um, But we are going to get back to some of the hard-hitting questions.
2: (laughs)
0: Apparently, the broadcast deal expires at the end of the season. Is there anything you can share about that? I was told that Snacks is like wants to break news, but no. Unfortunately, (laughs) I don't have news to break today. Um, But what I can say is that I'm incredibly excited about what's coming. Um, Obviously, negotiating a media deal takes 12 to 18 months. And actually, it was one of the very first projects that I started when I came working with our agency partner to do an analysis a strategy analysis of how we want to approach the market and valuation and managing expectations on where we think the league is heading and what some of our goals and objectives are and then going to market and we actually went to market nine months ago so this is like been a very long process it's definitely a labor of love in that we um we know that this is the single most important thing for the business side to be able Mm -hmm. to rise to the next level and we're excited as i said i'm using soccer analogies (laughs) even though i'm not a soccer person we're in the 85th minute. Um, okay. I actually well, said it. I don't
2: think it, you can say you're not a soccer person. You are, you are living You're soccer. a soccer person, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel maybe it's like I'm a sandbagger. Like I just, <laughs> I, even though I watch a million soccer games, it's like all I watch now is women's soccer. I still feel like I can never actually be a soccer person. But yes, 85th minute, we're closing in on the end of the game. We're excited for the win.
2: Great. We have another question. All the questions are probably going to be hard hitting, <laughs> so I'm not going to say that anymore after this one. Okay, so last year this year, the year before last year, we had the Challenge Cup, and now it's gone for next year. Like how did you guys come to the decision to get rid of it? Or is there going to be a replacement at some point? I felt like as a player, I liked it. Like I thought that during the time that we have a world tournament and we're away, there's people who are getting opportunities to play that they wouldn't necessarily get. Um, there's also, you know, we're not missing huge league games. Um, everybody's like staying kind of consistently on the same schedule. There was obviously a huge sponsor that was attached to it. Like w- what was the decision to get rid of that?
0: Well, first we haven't officially made the decision to get rid of it. So, um, we are so just, st- so just next year is not, or we haven't, it, sorry, we're, clarifi- maybe this is like clarifying breaking news, but not really. Yeah. Um, no, we're, we're still in the ideation stage of what the 2024 schedule footprint is going to look like. When okay. are we playing regular season games? What alternative competitions exist? You know, how do we continue to run the league, even with the interference of FIFA windows, particularly how often they occur in our, in our season and at the key moments that they occur Um, So all of those discussions are very much underway. And our hope expectation is that by championship, we'll have all of that settled. So that's like five weeks from now. But I will say, you know, I actually did listen to your podcast about the Challenge Cup and I thought it was really interesting and very astute that you all recognize the benefits of the Challenge Cup in that one of the things that we talk a lot about is from a player development perspective with our regular season games being as competitive as they are. And obviously that is one of our superpowers that there is insane competitiveness ac- across the league and recognizing that because those games are so highly competitive, it puts a lot of pressure on the top tier of the roster. And how do we make sure all of the players who are with our clubs are getting playing time because we recognize that that's necessary for their development. So I think the to sort of forecast some of where we're going without even knowing the answer yet. We're going to try to hold on to the things in everything that we're doing, not just the Challenge Cup, but our entire schedule that we feel like we're good and try to continue to minimize or mitigate the things that we think can improve. And the Challenge Cup in particular, since that's what you were asking about, um, we we talked about some of the things that are great about it, like partnering with a brand like UTG, their values, our values, what we were able to build, their focus on pay, equity, how much that makes sense in the context of building a tournament with higher pay, like all those things are great. Um, and we're going to continue to think about ways to innovate and evolve that, but also try to address some of the things that we think can improve. And this is not to suggest that we're going to solve all of these issues, but some of the things we're seeking to improve are, in our schedule are figuring out uh, how we more strategically manage the interplay between national team and club games Mm -hmm. more broadly to show respect for national team players and competition, but also make sure that we're managing our business. So like clearer lines, I think, so that there's like more clarity. I think we all remember what happened in January. That was an unintended disaster, but actually turned out to be a good thing, I think. And then, you know, thinking about ways that we could evolve our league so that our teams to the extent we can find ways to introduce teams outside of our league, things that we're yeah. exploring. You know, we'd love to find ways to bring in more international clubs um, so that our teams can be tested. And we think that would be great for fandom and great for business and great for players. So all those things are on the table.
2: We want to talk a little bit about restricted and unrestricted free agency because obviously this is a huge shift in our league in our game first before we get into that can you explain the difference between restricted and unrestricted to our listeners and kind of to me as well
0: (laughs) um i think as a general matter i would think of restricted free agency as like a transition point to being an unrestricted free agency so being an unrestricted free agent means you're like free and clear You are able to go anywhere within our league, sign anywhere. There is no parameters on where you go, what you can do. Restricted free agency is like, gives you some opportunity to begin to like test the market and think about and entertain where else you might go. But your incumbent employer or club has certain rights that allow for them to retain you if Mm -hmm. they can compete basically so basically they have to give you a
2: competing offer if they do not give you that competing offer then you can go elsewhere
0: yeah i mean it's it's to give it's to give players the opportunity to test outside so that you know there is like a transition to depending on your years of service to being able to basically go wherever you want
2: what were your goals with free agency? I know that the players really fought for this. Um, I think it's something that's super important. Obviously we couldn't have everybody become a free agent at the same time. Who knows what the teams would look like, but like, how do we now make sure that like moving forward, there's fairness on teams or do we not care? you're like if the team can pay you go to that team like how do we continue to keep a, like a structure within the league within free agency and make sure like the draft is fair the the teams are fair and that we continue to have this competitive league or is that not our most important thing like where do you see this going i have like a million questions so you just, you just <laughs> figure out what i'm asking you and then you go
0: <laughs> no i i think i understand what you're saying like i think you know i i view Um, these topics like from my background, which comes from men's sports Mm -hmm. and more traditional sports is not binary. So it's not like an on off. I think there's a spectrum. And it's true that many of these things have like an inverse relationship to each other. So like Mm -hmm. free agency works counter to parity or competitiveness, right? Like we all and we all get that the the or to say it another way not having free agency or having restricted free agency facilitates having a more competitive league mm-hmm. because it allows for the more curated disbursement of talent across teams so that games are not like eight nothing games so there's not like blowouts where yeah. you have super teams and all the best players are in one place and everyone who's not the best player is in like these other places. And that obviously impacts not just the competitiveness from a player perspective, but the watchability of the games, the business and being able to sell tickets, like being able to sell to sponsors that this is a compelling product. So
2: not sorry, not to cut you off, but does it doesn't the salary cap kind of combat that though?
0: Yeah, so I think one of the many reasons that most leagues, including ours, have moved in the direction of introducing free agency and continuing to increase free agency is because, especially the leagues that have a salary cap, there is like a cost-containing mechanism that acts as the ultimate check. And so, yeah, I think it's it's definitely part of the reason that, like, again, I view this like as a spectrum, not binary. And so... You have to measure it year over year like one of the things in my from my nhl days that we did over the years and i was there for 13 years and i worked as outside counsel for four years so like almost two decades of growth at the nhl and it was in the years where pre-salary cap actually like before 2004 the introduction of the first hard cap in all of sports in 2005 and then you know, various different iterations until I ultimately left there in 2019. Year over year, we would measure these different KPIs, these key performance indicators to look at like the goal differentials, to look at the number of times there were lead changes, to look at um, how competitive holistically each team's roster is and evaluate that against the other levers, which is like, how high is the salary cap? Is there a minimum? floor of spending? What does free agency look like? Have we recently seen a far less compelling product and what is the contributor to that? And it's our job at the league to look at it at a macro lens and to have the ability to make those tweaks. Now, the challenge becomes with collective bargaining, you agree to something for like a period of time and then you give up the ability to make those tweaks, which I think oftentimes leads leagues or employers to be a little more conservative in what they're comfortable doing. Because if you agree to something contractually that ultimately hurts the product, you can't take it back once it's in a CBA, like you're bound to do it. And so- it's something that has to be evaluated and done carefully.
1: That was super interesting. I think, again, that's just is playing into this thing. I realized that you're considering everything more than I can even fathom. You're considering all these things. And it kind of makes me want to talk about expansion teams. I think... With such fast growth, which is so exciting for the league and for so many reasons, is there any concern about growing too quickly and bringing too many expansion teams in, or do you see it as purely a positive?
0: Well, I, I think one of the reasons we're only expanding by two teams in 2024 and two teams in 2026 is because mm-hmm. of that concern. Like, if we didn't have that concern... We'd just do we, it now. We could, We could... I mean, we actually had a meeting yesterday about expansion with preliminary interests that is sort of like... Very actively circling the hoop, even though we are not currently in an expansion process right now. And we could expand easily for 2024, not to 14 teams, but easily to 20 teams if we felt like the business could absorb it, if we thought it was strategic, if we... Uh, felt like it was there was the right player pool to support it, most importantly, mm-hmm. because like we have to make sure the quality of the game stays at the top. But we're not doing that. Like there's a reason we're not doing that. And it's because of the concerns of growing too quickly.
2: Because I think that's a huge concern as obviously a player is like now where are you going to get the players to like fill the teams? And how are we going to keep this standard high? My Other question would be each team. Are we going to continue to do an expansion draft now that we have free agency and now people have the ability to go talk to other teams? Will every single time a new team comes in, we do this expansion draft? Because I guess my concern is that like, how are we supposed to build a team if every year or every two years, players are getting taken away from that team?
0: You know, one of the things that like, again, one of the things that we think about, this will blow your mind, Sam. (laughs) <laughs> Again, you know, we- Oh like, my God, i stressed. <laughs> one, one of the things, the, the competing considerations are, we do business here in the US and mm-hmm. the expectations of an American sports fan, American sports consumer, business partner, sponsor, media partner is informed by the NFL and the NBA and the NHL. And a lot of the buyers of our teams when we're selling an expansion team or we're selling an incumbent team or bringing on limited and inv- limited partner investors into a team, they come from other sports and their expectation in every other sports league is like, this is how you do it. Like there is no other way to disperse talent when you're talking about expansion draft or an entry draft or any of these other mechanisms. So that's all like on one side of the barbell. The other side of the barbell is like, we participate in a global league, a goal, a global sport. And our competitors for our players are leagues from other countries who do not have any of these constructs in place. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't exist in other leagues. And so we often find ourselves in this sort of like crossfire of on this issue, because it is issue by issue, do we want to be more like the NFL, NHL, NBA? Or do we want to be more like, Bundesliga, La Liga, WSL, mm. Liga MX femenil, And we literally like think about it through those lenses. We want to be more like NFL, NBA, NHL when it comes to our business. I think we'd all agree. <laughs> like that's what we're striving for. Um, and what are sometimes the issues that we have to think about actually invoke both sides. And to your earlier questions, like we got to debate what, wins in a particular circumstance because oftentimes they dictate different outcomes.
2: Well, you said before, like, I'm not a soccer person, even though I disagree. I think you are.
0: Thank you. You kind
2: of have to be. (sighs) So because you have a background in the NHL and more like American traditional mindset of leagues or of sports. So then are you consulting people for like the soccer quote unquote worldly part? Like How are you meshing the two? Because I agree, like you look at the NBA and the NFL and you're like, yeah, those business models seem to be working, but soccer has levels to it that those sports don't have. And so somebody coming from just the American view, I'm just interested, like, how are you navigating that?
0: It's a great question. I I guess like for better or worse, and in this case, I think it's for better. I'm like I said before, I'm obsessed with what I don't know. So this is like an area that I walked into my interviews with the board and said, like, not my background. This sport is not my background. So I will be on a quest to understand and learn all the things that Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I'm still on that journey, which is probably why I always say I'm not a soccer person. But um, there's a couple of things that I've done intentionally to inform, to balance, to your point, Lynn, to balance my perspectives, right? Because like, I'm good on the... American sports model. Like I know how to do that. Like that's all I've ever done (laughs) in my career. It's like the other part that is definitely not my experience, not my background. I'm not a subject matter expert in it. So the ways I've done that. So we made the decision to hire the league's first ever sporting director. Incredible. Claps for that. That's super important because we are a sports league. So that's like a really important job. (laughs) (laughs) Like we need somebody who really understands the sport. And to your point, I decided to interview people domestic and international. And I made the decision intentionally to hire someone not from here because I felt like we really needed a strong voice who understood the global landscape and could be that person when I when you ask the question, like, how do we make decisions? She's in the room with my senior leadership team and she's hysterical, by the way, because everything that we do is so different from Europe where she's always like, Wow, like this is crazy, but like she has an amazing perspective. She her background, she ran women's football at FIFA, she worked at UEFA, she ran um the Swiss FA, she ran a Switzerland club. Um so she has like league perspective, team perspective, confederation perspective, federation perspective. Like she has all of that and so she is in my ear literally like she's right across i make sure i can see her and sometimes she's like hi remember me soccer person like can i come chat with you also like she and i have gone on really a world tour like i went to the euros and met with every single league globally i spent multiple weeks in sydney i went to champions league in eindhoven i find myself and have intentionally placed myself in places where I can just sit and absorb and learn over the last 18 months what other people are talking about so that I can identify the places where we're swimming in a different direction and so that we can ask ourselves is that the it doesn't mean it's bad it's like is should we continue to do that like should we continue to be opposite of everybody else like what are the benefits what are the challenges what problems does it create if we pivoted what unintended consequences does that invite? And I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't understand like, the bigger ocean, right? Like, because we're just like a piece of a much bigger puzzle.
1: Yeah, that was that is also super interesting. Is there anything that you as the league learned specifically from the expansion of ACFC and the wave that you're taking into the new expansion teams, Utah and Bay Area? Are you Is there some big overarching thing that you learned that you would like to apply or maybe not apply?
0: What are those teams looking like coming into the league next year? I mean, I think what Angel City and San Diego have done so well is that they have built a future for their business that is unconstrained by the past. That's Mm. what bringing new investors, new owners, new teams into the league can do because Mm -hmm. they don't have the history of a very challenged history of our league from a business perspective. And that history sometimes creates an important perspective that's cautionary, right? Like, yeah. and again, I believe in diversity of perspectives. Um, So I love and appreciate the legacy owners we have because they have important historical knowledge that can help inform our future so we don't make similar mistakes so that we can learn from the past, all those things. But the thing that Angel City and San Diego have done so, so well, and Kansas City, frankly, and Louisville, is like, number one, think about business from like a, f- you know, future proofing perspective. Mm. It's like, mm-hmm. what can we be? Not what we were. It's not a um, starting over. It's a starting from scratch. Like they, they just don't, by definition, don't have to reconcile any history with fans They don't have to reconcile any history in their brand. They don't have to reconcile any history of challenges of selling. Like they can just like write a new script and sell it. And they've done that clearly. Yeah. And so I think that that's, you know, we look for, I guess, to your question about what do we look for? We look for people in the expansion process who are visionaries, who who see a world in our not too distant future that is like the Wizard of Oz. It's like, a, it's like a palace and yeah, yeah. it it should be not rationally related to our history. Yeah. In fact, like the more, the more absurd it sounds, the better because it's <laughs> yeah. like, until you tell me no, totally. I'm going to go. And that's, and you know what, there are going to be things that we have to like debate and discuss. And it's my job to like bring the board together but yeah. they help to level up the expectations of this league. It's I mean, that's so true. I mean, think about angel city.
1: We are, yeah, we're going to be owned by all these movie stars and we're going to do whatever we want in LA, Kansas city. We're going to build a training facility and a stadium next year. And it's done like, like it's what? stuff.
0: That's, it's, that's crazy.
1: Right. It's stuff that if you told Lynn and I, when we were rookies in the league, we would be like, you can't do that. So I no, love that you're looking for that. And that these owners are inspiring the league to reach new heights. I think it's, So it should
0: be so inspiring to us as players. And Boston, Boston's similar in that. I mean, they came to us and were like, we're going to build a stadium in the city with the mayor and partner with the public, Boston public (laughs) schools and we're going to make it a public private partnership. And we looked at them like they were insane because like you can't do that in in a big city. (laughs) You can't do that. But they did it.
2: Yeah. No, I think, I mean, the Boston market, it was sad to see when they, they fell through. So to bring a team back is going to be incredible. I know Sam, obviously, is from Boston, so she has ties there. I think that's incredible. I think, like, the more obscure, the out there, outlandish, like – it's awesome. And the league is obviously going in the right direction. And it's great to see how many people are investing and want women's soccer to grow. So we have this history, these history teams, like how do we get them to come with us as well? Or like why continue to expand when we have like a bit of like, we need to help a couple of teams. And I'm, I have no idea if they're far off, if they're not like, I don't know everybody, every team's issue because would, I'm not on every team, but um, so yeah, like how do we get them to come as well?
0: That's the job of the league. Like that is, that is my job and it's my job to do it hopefully with incentives and support as opposed to more heavy handed. Mm-hmm. And it is happening actually, like it is happening. Mm-hmm. And the other reason I'm very confident it's happening is because everyone who's investing, even teams that are not experiencing the incredible growth that like Angel City is, is demonstrating or Kansas City or Bay FC, who's the first one who- Came up with the investment thesis that $53 million is what they should pay for an NWSL team. Like the rest of our owners, like, especially the ones who have been in it, been at it for a while, they didn't come to lose. They, they now see a world that is materially different in upside than what they thought was possible. And I think the important takeaway for me, which I message, which because I've been at this for so many years with men's leagues and it's the same in men's leagues. I will tell you, this is, this part is not a women's league specific. There's always in every league, like a top third, a middle third and a bottom third. Like that just exists in every league. It's our job to like keep the top third raising the bar and bring up the bottom third in all of the key areas from a business and, and player experience perspective. But, you know, they want to compete. They just need a path to get there and that's what we're now resourcing like we right now are recruiting to hire someone who's going to build out a department of people who are focused on what we're calling team business and it'll be that person's department job to share best practices so like what is angel city doing really well how can we take that and apply that in a different market what are they doing from a sponsorship perspective how are they packaging assets How are they messaging? What are their resourcing? How does their Mm -hmm. staffing structure look? Like as a centralized body in this ecosystem, we are uniquely positioned to facilitate that sharing. And our teams don't compete in business. They compete on the pitch, but they Mm -hmm. don't compete in business. Mm -hmm. So we should be embracing the opportunity to make sure all of our clubs, like it is the true rising tide lifts all boats. Like that Mm -hmm. that is what we are doing. And it is actually happening. I mean, even if you look at, this season in particular, like Washington Spirit, like how how many games have they had more than 10,000 fans? I think it's like eight, seven, eight now. Like they're crushing it. North Carolina had multiple games where they broke records. Gotham had that. I was at that game where they had 15,000 mm-hmm. people there. And I was like, wow. And I know actually huge shout out to Mary Wittenberg, who's the new team president, who's awesome. Like they're, they're building for the future. Um, and I, I guess I would just, Add one final point, which I can't, I mean, I, again, like having seen this happen and play out in so many places, what expansion teams can do is hard, but it is also different because you, you are, because you are unconstrained by history, you have like a clean slate. Our current mm-hmm. teams, yeah. like, you, you can't just like flip a switch and change the past. You, you just can't. Mm-mm. You have yeah. history and some of that history is great, by the way. And it's turning that history into something positive, but it, it's going to take more than a minute to have our legacy teams like materialize what we all know they can be. And like, we're on it. Like they're, they're going to get there. No, that's, I think that's really, um, inspiring to hear as well. Obviously
2: I think every single person in the league, if you're a coach, if you're an owner, if you're a player, if, if you're you, um, We all have the same goal in mind is to have a successful league that grows and flourishes and is competitive and and everybody enjoys and wants to play here. Obviously, my hope is that we get there. Not every team is going to have all the things and you're going to have your issues no matter. You can have like the best facilities in the world and something else might be going on, like who knows and vice versa. But it's my hope that like the players that have been here for so long, who have fought for so long and have been on those legacy teams and maybe haven't gotten all of like the fan support, the the facilities, the X, Y, and Z that at some point in their career, hopefully sooner rather than later, because who knows how long their, people are going to play, will be able to feel that love, feel that everything. But thank you so much for your time. I like <laughs> don't want to keep going. I just have one last question. It's going to be a light question. <laughs> okay. I feel like we needed to end on the light note, Sam. But is this my... like a quick hit? Is this like no? A... My my question oh. is just like, what's your favorite snack to eat? <laughs> like, I feel like we just need to are like, what do you enjoy
0: doing in your free
2: time besides oh. commissioning?
0: <laughs> commissioning. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you my favorite snack and I'll tell you my favorite thing yeah. to do in my free time. My favorite snack, frozen yogurt or ice cream, like if it's like something Ooh. unhealthy. And uh, what do I like to do in my free time? I like to run. I love to do yoga, in particular hot mm-hmm. yoga. And I love to hike. That is really cool, Jessica. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for coming on. This was like,
1: I think, such an incredible interview for us to get. And we really appreciate you sharing so much about what you do and your thoughts for the league. So we really appreciate it. And thank you again. It was really fun.
0: Thank you. Can we just get a... Will you you tell my kids you forced me? Yes. (laughs) Yes. We'll do it with you. We'll do it with you. Okay, we'll do it all at the same time? Yeah.
1: Yeah. One, two, three. So good. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you.
2: Okay, welcome back to Snacks, delivered by Grubhub. Before we let you guys go, we obviously need to listen to the Snacks hotline, so here we go.
1: Hi, Lynn and Sam. This is Callie from Minnesota. Massive fan. My uh, soccer players are massive fans. I'm the coach of a varsity girls soccer team, and we are currently entering our postseason undefeated and at the top of all of the polls, which... as a coach terrifies me because (laughs) well you play so you know um my question is what would be your advice to my team going in in this situation and really hoping to finally hit a first place we got third last year we got second the year before um so yeah what would be your advice to uh younger uh high level girls soccer players who are Entering the postseason and doing so undefeated. Um, thank you, and oh, love thank the God. Chomp. Thank God we got the chomp. This is a, this is like a great question, Lynn. I remember like my high school soccer tournament time, and I always felt like the years we did our best, we actually had lost a game during the season. And We like I feel mm. like rallied around that or learned a lot from it going into playoffs undefeated is actually like really hard. There's a lot of pressure on you. What would, what do you think you'd say? Like, I
2: would just say that I think when you go into playoffs, like continue to do what got you there in the first place, you don't need to like change your tactics. You don't need to start like thinking about the next game after that. Like just stay in the moment and do all the things that got you to that in the first place, because that's obviously been working and just reminding your players that, that they're good. It's, They know how to play soccer. They've been doing it all year. They've been doing it obviously at a high level all year. And to just be calm and enjoy it, I think that is the biggest part too. Is just enjoying the moment and like embracing the moment. But don't don't go on and changing everything now. Like what you're doing is working.
1: I know for sure. I think I would also just say, well, you don't have like a loss to learn from. I'm sure you faced other adversity throughout the season that you can kind of use as a teaching moment and have the the team look back on Mm. and say, what did we learn from this and how have we gotten better from it? I feel like having those moments really like brings everybody together when you move forward from them. So maybe bringing up something that was difficult and like demonstrating how the team learned from it would be a good thing to do. Agree. Okay, we have one more voicemail.
2: Let's hear it. Hey, Lynn and Sam. My name is Maya, and I love your podcast so, so much. I listen to it while working out, and it makes working out so much more enjoyable for me. My question is that, as professional soccer players, you are obviously playing so much, and so I was wondering... How often do you go through a pair of cleats? Thank you for everything.
1: (laughs) These people have the chomps down. I feel like a proud podcast
2: host. (laughs) Proud chomper. (laughs) Funny story. Before I answer the question, funny story. After this last game, I was like... People were like, can I have your jersey? And I was like, I'm so sorry. I like gave it to Kristen, but you can have these socks. And so I like would give my socks and I was like, you can have my shin guards. So I like gave my shin guards and then I gave the other part of my socks, you know, like the sleeve and and not just the foot. And then I like gave my cleats away, not realizing that I didn't have any cleats. So then today at training, I had to wear Christie's cleats because I didn't have any. So that was so dumb of me. Lynn, but like so nice. I'm sure you made some fans... Days, I know. I was like, I can't give anything else away, like, I'll be except, naked, except like the socks thing. Like, ew. Well, they wanted them, and I was like, I don't <laughs> think you want these. Like, these are gr- please wash them if you got my socks, please wash them, and, like, maybe throw them uh, away,
1: anyways. But so Lynn is going through a pair of pizza game apparently because she's just giving them away willy nilly. I would, I don't really know, actually. I feel like maybe one every like two months,
2: yeah. I would say that too. I, it's more of like a feeling, like when they just, yeah. start getting getting crusty. Yeah. Okay. When you're sponsored by somebody, it's interesting because sometimes you have to change because the new colorway comes out and you don't really want to change, but you have to, but there's like, there's a sweet spot. So you get brand new cleats and you're like, ah, I got to break these in. Yeah. And then they are like, I love these shoes. And then it gets to a point where like they're worn down and crusty. You're slipping around. You're like, yep. cleat stud things are not as long anymore yeah they're like little nubs they're little nubs so i would say like every two months
1: i'd say about yeah about every two months i also think they're you're right it's like when you get a haircut and it like looks terrible for two months and then it looks great for a week and then it's too long and you need a haircut again that's what it's like with cleats is like they hurt for a few days and then they feel great and then it's like time to get
2: new ones and it's just a terrible cycle it feels so fast too i'm like i feel like i just got new cleats and then now anyway if you have a question <laughs> another question that we probably won't answer um <laughs> we'll just babble <laughs> vaguely in that spectrum of the subject for. and we'll this. just tell different stories from the question but if you have that then you can call us at 917-565-9531 and again don't forget the chomp
1: and thank you so much for calling in maya and kelly those were great questions we loved hearing from you we really appreciate it Next week on the podcast, we have Savannah DeMello and a first round playoff recap. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it. Like this one from Julia Z NYC that says a gem among podcasts. Thank you. A gem among podcasts. (laughs) As a women's soccer lover and lover of good, smart, funny people. This has it all. I just wish there was more. Thank you, Sam and Lynn. We love you. Thank you so much, Julia Z NYC. One last thing, Lynn. We already talked about dump cake. So I got this new necklace. Oh, you said you needed new necklaces. Yeah. I've been getting a little bit of neck irritation, so I've been necklace sans necklaces for a little bit.
2: What do you what do you mean?
1: I don't know. I just get like a little like cut from my necklaces, so I like have not been wearing them.
2: Oh my. Do you sleep with your necklaces? Do you sleep with your jewelry? Yeah. Same.
1: I mean not if not if I have on like hoops, like
2: big hoops obviously.
1: Before we go, we just wanted to say a special shout out to LD. She's one of our producers. She's been working with us for a really long time, and we're really going to miss her. But congratulations on your new job. Don't forget to subscribe to Snacks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snacks is produced by Jay Wolf, Lauren Day, Patrick Cadino Parker Fenton, and John Murray. For more great women's sports content, go to justwomensports.com and be sure to follow Just Women's Sports on all your favorite channels.
2: I'm Sam U.S. And I'm Lynn Williams, and you've been listening to Snacks, delivered by Grubhub. <laughs>